Hello, I'm Amelia. And I'm Christopher. And you're listening to Maneuvers, a talk series by the ADV. Today, we're joined by Kirsty Quarting. Kirsty, would you mind introducing yourself to us? Yeah, hi everyone. I'm Kirsty, and I'd like to say I am a professional storyteller. I am in academia right now. I'm working on a PhD at SOAS, and I'm examining how the children of Ghanaian immigrants in London and New York City maintain their connection to Ghana. And I feel like doing a PhD is pretty much just collecting people's stories <laughs> and, um, and, and you know, publishing them in academia. And then I also run the Nana Project, which is an online platform dedicated to preserving Ghana's history through the voices of Ghanaian elders. And to do that, we you know, collect the stories of Ghanaian elders who find out more about their lives uh, growing up their recollections of different events in Ghana's history, just so, you know, we can have that for future generations. Absolutely. And um, one thing that I would just highlight is that I've, I initially came across Kirsty's work, um, I believe, was it 2017? I think 2017, um, where we were looking um, at the 60th anniversary of Ghana's independence that was held at the Victoria and Albert Museum. Um, and this is where some of the work was taking place, where some of the elders that were there, their work, were, their history was being documented. Um, and then later on, I came met Kirsty in person and discussed some of the work that she was doing um, through various kind of organisations. One thing that I think is really important to kind of identify is that the documentation of history through elders is almost not yeah, from what I think, isn't taken to the highest level of respect as it should be, apart from maybe just taken from an academic book. So I think the thing, the work with the Nano Project is really important, especially for the collection of materials and photography and audio recordings, because they are from the sources themselves. But before we go too deep into all of that, <laughs> one thing that was really, um, that I think is important is just, let's start at the beginning. So what event did you want to talk about and why? So I wanted to talk about the year of return it took place in 2019, and it was pretty much the government of Ghana say, inviting anyone who's Black pretty much in the world um, the opportunity to come home uh, to, to Ghana, which you know for some people would be more representative of just coming home to Africa. Um, and it was, it was a really big deal. It was all over social media. A lot of news outlets covered it. And I know there's already been a lot of discussion about it, but I feel like there's still a lot more that can be said. I think people were kind of, I don't know, maybe polite in their discussions of it. And I think there are- Interesting. <laughs> yeah, I think there's, um, I mean, there were some people that talked about, you know, talked about it from a critical, critical perspective, but a lot of things that were said were I guess, in my opinion, kind of superficial, so. Okay. Well, I mean, let's get into that. So before we talk about the beginning of the, the even the announcement of Ghana's Year of Return, what was the scene? Can you set the scene for us? Um, what was the background context that would, that required or even, you know, was the fueling or the breadcrumbs that led up to that kind of thing? Oh, I, I feel like we have to go back to Ghana's creation as a nation state <laughs> to, okay. to, to talk about idea. that yeah <laughs> so yeah so you know ghana um ghana's independence wasn't viewed as just like 
this, you know, Ghana getting its Ghana getting its independence. It was viewed as this, you know, Black African nation, you know, breaking its colonial, you know, chains. And so, you know, MLK was there. Like it was a like a celebration for for the African diaspora to say, hey, hey, there's this 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 continent, this this country on the African continent um, where most of the people that live there are black and they are getting their independence and they are now able to you know run their own affairs and so mlk actually when he came back um to the u.s uh, after being at ghana's independence he delivered a sermon about you know liberation that was based on his experience there so it was a really big deal i, I was able i so asked i was able to see some like newspaper the clippings from that day and there was like well wishes from like, th like this company in the u.s and that company and like it was it seemed like such a, a joyous time yes for the country but for really you know black people globally and so you know ghana's first president Kwame Nkrumah, was an ardent pan-africanist he kind of set up ghana with the you know pan-african mindset and so with that from the very beginning he invited people from the african diaspora to come to ghana to work and live you know and help build this new country so you know Maya Angelou was one of the was one of the people that came through, and I'm, 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 I'm okay. Malcolm X came, um, you know, to visit, but a lot of you know African freedom fighters were able to live in Ghana during this time. So, Franz Fanon, he was involved with the uh, Algerian liberation movement. I forgot what his position was specifically, but he lived in Ghana as an ambassador for you know for that movement and you know Nkrumah was giving you know money away <laughs> to different African nations so Ghana was set up like, as a you know pan-African nation state pretty much and mm -hmm. so thinking about the year of return it's you know got a lot of people still view Ghana as a pan-African nation state so it's in Ghana's interest to you know continue that that legacy and that heritage and so when i don't i don't know who came up with the idea but you know 2019 um marked the the first enslaved africans well that's well that was the, the rhetoric that 2019 marked 400 years of the first enslaved africans coming to the united states but from what i've read it was actually like the first enslaved africans that were coming under like the british flag or something like that because i think enslaved africans had come like the Spanish and you know the mm -hmm. other um, you know, other colonizing powers. So and yeah, so um, because of Ghana's um, history in the transatlantic transatlantic slave trade, I guess the government of Ghana felt that is this would be a good time to kind of you know rekindle or you know strengthen the relationship that it has with the wider African diaspora. So that's why they said, you know, let's, you know, not necessarily celebrate, you know, the enslaved Africans coming to America, but commemorate this period by having, you know, you know, 400 years ago it was, you know, it was sad, but we can, you know, take this, you know, 2019 and turn it into something, you know, more joyous and celebrate the, the connections that we, you know, Ghana and the African continent has with the rest of the African diaspora. Just to kind of touch on this area when we talk about the scene before, is we have to talk about what the social climate was 
before their announcement, um, what was going on behind the scenes about the, the, the attempts to connect with the diaspora? I know, I've forgotten what year it happened, but I know the AU declared the African diaspora as its sixth region, I think, or as one yeah. of its regions. And I think back when Ghana had 10 regions, they now have 16. But you know the diaspora the was seen as you know the eleventh region, so I guess now it would be like the seventeenth region of Ghana. So this, um, you know, and Ghana also has created you know throughout its history different um, you know initiatives and or, you know organizations that are geared towards um, you know, Pan Africanism. So we have the W E B Du Bois Center, who I actually can't believe I failed to mention <laughs> um, mm. earlier. Um, he is an African American man who. Uh, moved to Ghana in the 19, 1960s and uh, ended up, I mean, he's, I mean, I'm hoping the people don't listen know who W.E.B. Du Bois is. Do I need to explain who he is? You don't need, you can make a quick reference. Some people don't. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and I'm even saying his name wrong, it's Du Bois. He doesn't pronounce it the French way. Um, That's a conversation yeah. for another time. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, that's he doesn't he pronounce it he pronounces it du bois so i should name. say how he says it yeah that is his name so okay. um yeah so web uh the web du bois center in opera which it has the um the body of web du bois that's where he was buried he's an african-american man thinker sociologist who moved to ghana in uh 1960s in the 1960s um, with his wife and uh, ended up passing away there. And so the so there's a center named in Ghana named after him. There's the Diaspora the African Forum, there's the George Patmore Research Library, um, there's you know Panafest, there's you know they celebrate Emancipation Day. So Ghana has done a lot in the the Joseph project, there's been a lot of initiatives um, that have happened in throughout Ghana's history to uh, you know try to continue this uh, you know, re relationship that that Ghana, you know, from its founding has had with the African diaspora. Now that we've got that, tell us what happened. What happened at <laughs> the year of return? Um, so actually, before we get into that, I wanted to add a few more things to the okay. like the social part in my in my research. Like what you said came up a lot about how it wasn't cool to be African. Some people would lie and say that they were Jamaican and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and so I would ask, you know, some research participants who said that, like, oh, well, what then made it be cool to be, you know, African or more specifically Ghanaian? And like you said, the music was one thing, but people also really mentioned the um, Black Stars in 2010. They're almost Cinderella run. Um, you know, yeah. the, the goal, we don't, let's not get too much into that, yeah, but football. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah, that, that had a, a, people felt that that had a big impact in how Ghana, recognize achievement. Yeah. And then I also feel like the coming of age of the you know children of Ghanaian immigrants, um, of the people that left Ghana in the 70s and 80s, combined with the rise of the internet has made it, you know, people are, you know, they're sharing like, their music and their fashions and things like that. And so, and it's a lot easier to connect with people as well. And different, I mean, even you and I, both, you know, children of Ghanaian immigrants that, you know, I was in the US, you in the UK. Mm. And we were able, we were able to connect online. And so I think all of those things 
are also also played a role in how like big the year of return um, became. So yeah, so getting into what actually happened. Okay, yeah. so <laughs> so in September 2018, Ghana's current president Nana Kupuado, uh was in Washington D.C. and he launched the event from there. It was done at the National Press Club, I believe. And there were a lot of you know, representatives from I think like the Congressional Black Caucus and other you know, African diaspora um, organizations and leaders, and also you know I'm sure the Ghana ambassador to the U.S. and you know, things that people of that nature were there. And he said, you know, 2019 is the year of return. You know, we're calling all the African diaspora to to come home. Um, to, you know, to reconnect with, you know, your homeland. And so in the lead up to that, in December, uh, there was the Full Circle Festival. And this is what really kind of brought the, the year of return to the forefront. Um, about, I think it was the 120 um, Black celebrities from the U.S. came, some were African-American, some were African immigrant and some were the children of African immigrants, but they came to Ghana for maybe I think like 10 days, two weeks. And it was a really big deal, you know, because these people, they have a lot of um, followers on social media. So they're taking pictures, you know, at you know Bloom Bar or wherever it is they went to, you know, they're hanging out with the president, they're at Cape Coast Castle, they're doing all these things and they're showing Ghana in, um, in an exciting light. And already in December in Ghana, like it's a busy time because that's when a lot of people from the, I guess you want to call it the immediate Ghanaian diaspora, um, mm -hmm. people who can, you know, uh, trace their heritage directly to Ghana, um, they go back to visit their family or to party or to do a combination of the two. Um, so there's already a lot of people coming back to Ghana during this time. So coupled that now with this full circle festival and now it's like oh um Boris Kojo and you know Bazoma St. John are in are in Ghana having a good time the uh Cynthia Bailey from Real Housewives of Atlanta is here with her fiance and they're having a really good time like all these people are in Ghana having a having a phenomenal time and you know FOMO <laughs> people are now like oh I actually want to go to Ghana and have a good time. Yeah. And so, like, after, so after <laughs> that, the Full Circle Festival, I read it created like half a billion social media impressions. You know, all of a sudden it's like CNN is saying Ghana is the, the next, you know, biggest tourist desti destination. And, you know, Travel Noir is saying this stuff about Ghana and you know, all this stuff. So now it's like, okay, the year of return. Oh, now they actually like want people to come back okay I'm coming so that is that is how yeah that's how it really got off the ground right and I, I remember a lot of uh the the social media content that was kind of like blowing up you know Cardi B or Anthony Anderson like you mm -hmm. know everybody um was they were all doing a good job and basically making it look visible but when I when we say what happened is the year of return wasn't a one-day event it wasn't a two-week event so the no. year um, break that down for us how was it structured okay so 
the year of return, there, it, it's a Ghanaian government initiative, but there was a specific like year of return office, like a, like a secretariat that handled like the day-to-day of you know running the entire year and i think so it's the year return office then i think who else is the ghana tourism authority and i think one other organization that i can't remember right now like formed the the full secretariat and so what happened was that you could if you wanted to be part of the the year return you could create an event and i think I don't know if you had to apply, but like approach the year of return office and they and that they felt like it was really in line with the, the goals of the year of return, then they would like brand the event as um, a year of return event. So I think as of August, um, when I was in Ghana, the the head of the they weren't the head of the tourism ministry, but there was a government official who was talking at an event I was at, and they said that there were like they had like 70 events planned for the year. And so some were this kind of like, um, like a, what was one that I saw? Um, like a day of discussions, like, you know what I'm saying? Almost like an academic event mm. uh, around like, you know, Pan-Africanism and stuff like that. And then it's like, you know, this musical artist is like putting on a concert and going to have a party after. And like, that's also a year of return event. Mm-hmm. So there's, there was um, a really wide variety of the types of events that uh, were were being held as part of the year of return, but all of them in uh, in in some way were supposed to kind of you know do something to I guess help um, you know bridge the gap or strengthen the connection between Africans and African Americans or Africans and the wider African diaspora. Yeah. Rather. So at this point, it's a twelve month affair. Yeah. And yeah, and yeah, and and every month there was something. So I was there. Um, for, for research uh, for my PhD from June to mid-August and you know I thought about going back in December when you know the full circle festival was going to be happening again and because of the full circle festival that had happened the previous year I knew a lot of people were going to be going even like some of my I'm in an African-American sorority some of my sorority sisters um, we're going with their friends. And so I knew December was just going to be a bit, and it was going to be a lot. So I decided to not go, but I'm glad that I went. <laughs> it was just, it was a lot, there was a lot, because I knew it was going to be a lot of people. I don't really like crowds. And also I had some like personal stuff happening in my life that mm. required me um, just being home with my family as well in December. Mm. Um, so I, I decided to not go, but I was watching, was doing what I'm calling in my dissertation, social media ethnography, where I'm pretty much just like watching the, <laughs> it's a real thing, okay? I to take up West for a moment <laughs> to acknowledge social media ethnography. Yeah, where you kind of watch the social media streets to get a feel of what people are saying and thinking and feeling about, you know, the December period, you know, specifically, but I also did that through the entire, like throughout the entire year, because it was just, it was a good way to get a, um, idea, a good idea of what people and all the different parts of the, you know, all the, I guess, the stakeholders, how, what they were all kind of thinking and feeling about what was going on in Ghana during the year of return. Speaking of uh, stakeholders, um, I think you gave a, well, you gave a super comprehensive uh, background both to the country and now to the event I think Um, but I think if we want to delve in a little deeper on the stakeholders um, and sort of I want to ask what what are the stakes and uh, for whom if we sort of take it on a 
both on the sort of individual level and then maybe on the all the way up to the global level so who on the individual <laughs> we can bring um, it down yeah <laughs> Sorry. yeah yeah there's, there's uh, lots levels of, there's levels lots of levels. levels yeah so i think if you start on the individual level um for people that want to connect with ghana or with you know africa to a certain extent like this is you know the year of return presented an opportunity for them to do so because i guess you know if you're interested in traveling to ghana or to you know any part of the african continent you could do so you know at any time provided you have the means um but i feel like it was different in 2019 because the government was really saying like come home you know and so for you know for a lot of people whether they are you know one or two generations removed from Ghana or if they are several centuries removed from you know the African continent there is a desire to belong to a place and as you know as black people especially for those of us in um in the Western countries, it's a lot. It can be a lot, and we're often made to feel that we don't belong in the the countries that you know are we were either forcibly brought to or our families migrated to. Um, and so, I think the year of return represented an opportunity for people to feel like they can, you know, have a place that they can belong to, or at least you know, at least go and see, is this a place I would want to live in? Is this a place you know, that I can raise children in? Can I do business here? Um, so I think those are kind of like the, the stakes on the individual level for people that were interested in engaging. Because I know it's not everybody in the diaspora that is interested in engaging. And I think, I personally think that's fine. Um, and I guess on the, after that. Communal communal level um again like just i think everything is about everything about this is you know at least on the surface reconnecting um and so i think you know again the year return presented the the opportunity for these different segments of the african diaspora to connect and for ghana to connect with all of these different segments of the African diaspora as well, and to do it, you know, in in Ghana, in this place that's kind of set itself up as a, you know, pan African, pan African place where you know everyone, can, everyone in the African diaspora, everyone even in other parts of the continent can come and you know come home and be happy and uh, and build a life there. And I think it was the timing of it was interesting because there's also. Um, a rise of like uh, nationalist ideologies within some of the African American com community. That the AD people who identify as ADOS, which is the American descendants of slavery, mm -hmm. and um, from what I've seen of that, that is very much like America for like Americans. You know, even like some no immigrants allowed at all. Which I think goes back to the the tensions that exist between in the U.S. between uh, African immigrants and African Americans. So to have you know on, on one hand some people in the African diaspora you know being ADOS and others being like oh Ghana says we can come home like everybody let's go. Um, I think you know it, it. I don't know maybe I'm naive but maybe you know presents a chance for some healing. <laughs> but and um that 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 um yeah some some healing 
from some of the tensions that have been created, at least, you know, since I'm American, I can, I can speak more to the American tensions, and the, the tensions that exist in the African diaspora than the American context more, more than I can in the UK or anywhere else. Yeah. So I think, um, yeah, that on the communal level, that's what the three year return, um, had that, I, you know. Sorry, mm-hmm. I, I sort of wanted to ask, um, uh, but is there, was there a feeling perhaps of people who had not necessarily, you know, if you're several, if you are ADOS, uh, was there a sense maybe that people hadn't felt that tie to Africa and this was maybe perhaps their first step into an opening for some people? What we have to, what we have to take into consideration is there are um, ADOS individuals that have, that cannot create, find a trace back to a specific nation. And so therefore, when they look at America, America to some degree is regarded as a nation of immigrants. So that is the first point of reference. And to try and find anything else would maybe be like too difficult or too heartbreaking. So there's, okay, here we are. This is what we've managed to create. This is what we've been able to identify. And as African-Americans, we are in a sense, a, con- a community or a nation within ourselves because the amount of connectivity between them. However, there are, di- there are different tiers of integration and acknowledgement when it comes back back to looking at the African continent. There are those that look at it from a distance and regard it from a history book and it's like it's over there. Right. And you know, I will go to I will go there the same way I might go to Disneyland. You know, it's a trip. <laughs> That's about it. Then there are those that are saying, well, I can maybe I want to build a connection. So there's an active choice. And sometimes there's a bouncing between the two. It's like, oh, I want to go see something historical. Great, the same way I might go to Rome and see some historical things. But then there's other ways that I want to find my connection. And then there's almost like another level, which is even if I if I can find a direct connection, or even if I can't, I want to be able to pinpoint a rough region where I can say, not that I'm just African by continentally, but I can start adopting some cultural habits that can help rebuild or re remember some of the practices that can define what I stand for and the culture that I came from. Is that, Kirsty, do you think that's fair to say? Yeah, yeah, I do. And I also just want to say that I think wherever level people are at is also fine. Yeah. I think that it's not, you know, it's not by force that you have to connect. If you don't want to, you don't have to. I, I think that's fine. I think, because yeah. I know the, the people who um, have that perspective, I feel like sometimes people don't really respect that. And um, absolutely. And I, yeah, I just, you know, it's, yeah, it's not by force. That's and then there, there are like two <laughs> levels of beyond that, which are, you know, I know where I'm going to completely rewrite and, you know, chronicle everything about my culture so I can bring it back and teach it to the youth or the people around me. And then there are those that are saying, I am making my move back there at some point. Let me go do my due diligence and find a way to fully immerse myself and plant roots. Um, so they're like, I, what we consider they're like five levels. But I think this is really, it's a really valid question about um, because we recently had a discussion about the idea of when Hong Kong was being handed back over from the British rule, whether the individuals in Hong Kong felt Chinese. What what was the Ghanaian government, or what do you think the national viewpoint was on the diaspora of everyone coming, or the idea of everyone coming? Well, so I think a, a few things. The first one, again, like maintaining Ghana's image as a like, pan-African, like state like, and, like, and as a, like a home for the African diaspora I think that's very important um, and then 
additionally, I would say, you know, the diaspora, the Ghanaian diaspora has been, through remittances, has been, you know, supporting Ghana's economy for a very long time. And, you know, the year of return was, on one, one website it said it was like a birthright, you know, pilgrimage, but like on the tourism website, it's like a, it's, it said it was like a tourism something. So yes, you know, Pan-Africanism, but also having all these people from the African diaspora come, they're, they're not coming for free, you know? Like they're coming, like they're paying to come. They're gonna they have to pay, you know, for food. They have to be, you know, they're bringing a lot of yeah. money um, with them as they come. So yes, it's, you know, a way for people to reconnect, but it's also a way for the country to make some, well, yeah, to make money. But, you know, as to where the dollars and pounds and all, you know, all the other types of currency, where they went and who profited is maybe another discussion. Um, but yeah, like, but yeah, ultimately is, you know, you know, Ghana became a, a big tourist destination. And also, um, I think, uh, in addition to tourism dollars, like investment dollars are, were also something that was that was discussed a lot through the year of return of Ron and Ghana to become, you know, be viewed as a place where people could come and like, you know, maybe you don't want to come and like live, that's fine, but like, do you have a business you, you want to set up here? Or do you have um, money you want to invest in a company here? Like that's something else that was also, um, that was also discussed a good amount as well the media outlets, what is it that we were seeing? What were the things that were, what, what were the narratives that were coming out? It was very much like, I guess what people would say, the Africa, they don't show you. <laughs> That's like a lot of the things that um, were being being discussed, like I said earlier about like CNN and Travel Noir and like all these, because there were so many people going um and initially the the famous people but then just you know kind of like the everyday people and in, in the interview that was done with nbc there was one of the women said that there's in, in ghana that she wasn't viewed as a black woman or she was viewed as just being a woman and you know that that might be her like as she's walking around that might be her very real experience but you know a lot of not a lot but some people felt that she was in comments like that kind of ignore the the history of um, colonization and how that plays into how people view like race and racism in Ghana because that definitely is a thing that um, that exists. Yeah, I was just about to ask: Was this the Ghanaian government saying that, or were like the individuals, the actual Ghanaian population, were they on board with this too? Were they this also, was... or were they also like, yeah, I'm gonna hug everyone who lands at the airport? Like, how <laughs> are they down with it? Oh, that's a great question. So this was definitely a Ghanaian government okay. initiative, and so, and in talking with um, a friend of mine who's African American, who's like lived between Ghana and the U.S. for about ten years now, uh, she's uh, talked to me a lot about her experience and the experiences of other. Uh, people from the African diaspora who decide to move back, from, you know, to move, repatriate to Ghana. And they come in because the Ghanaian government and Ghanaian, you know, elite people are like, yes, like, come, you're our brothers and sisters, like, it's going to be great. But then in the day to day, it's not every Ghanaian that, you know, views them as, you know, 
being their brother or sister. It's kind of yeah. like you're an American with brown <laughs> skin, you know? Um, it, it, and so that feeling of kinship isn't, you know, isn't always there in the way that they thought it would be or we were even kind of convinced that it would be. And it can be a serious problem uh, for a lot of people. Also, like people come thinking that they can get citizenship and there's, there's the, um, the right of abode that's on the books, which is a, a policy that says um, anyone in the African diaspora can come and if they get the right of abode, they can like live and like travel, they can go, they can leave Ghana without having to get a visa. Um, but in talking with people that have, you know, moved back to Ghana and like they've tried to get citizenship or they've tried to get right of abode, it's not really clear on how how one can really get it um or they're, they're given a runaround they're like saying oh you need to go to this ministry and they can have information for you and then you get to that ministry like oh you're actually supposed to go to this place and they'll have the information for you so there's a, the, things aren't as clear as um they're perceived to be and that that's yeah. been a big yeah it's, it's been a big problem for, for i guess that adds yeah. the manipulation sort of um you know, there's the manipulation of people's desire and then there's the manipulation of people's sort of hopes maybe and, and dreams or even the, yeah. the people who already live there. I mean, it's not really fair either to expect someone who lives in a country to just accept anyone who comes in, like you said, you know, any American with black skin, like, oh, hey, you know, <laughs> hi, like, welcome home. It, yeah, I mean, like, of course it's a nice sentiment, but it in practice, I think it sounds difficult to actually make that a day-to-day lived experience for anyone involved yeah and i think um in that there's a lot of in the discussions that i saw around the year of return i feel like or in repatriation in general people don't talk a lot about class like they talk oh. a lot about yes like they're coming they're bringing their dollars and pounds and whatever and they're going to invest and make businesses and stuff but in that like when you come you know generally speaking if you're coming to Ghana as a from the outside as a diasporan, um, you will most likely enter Ghana as like a middle class person. So even if you're, again, generally speaking, I know this isn't the case mm. for everybody. Um, so if you are maybe lower middle or like middle class in like the US or UK, you can come to Ghana and be maybe middle or upper middle. And so you're already going to places that most Ghanaians can't go to or they can't afford to go to. You're living in areas that um, a lot of Ghanaians can't afford to live in. And that definitely, you know, shapes the experience that you have. Because granted, there's still, you know, doomso and all those things like you'll still have to experience, but you might experience them less. Um, or there, or there's some things you might you might be able to your dealings with the police and things like that um, might look different for you because you have an accent, um, or you know because you have money, or at least are seen to to have Perception. money. Yeah, and so I think it's important that you know when we talk about coming home and kind of like it's all going to be this like great time of unity. There's you know even within Ghana. Minus the diaspora, there's already types of you know, tensions between different people groups that exist in the country, you know. Mm. And so to then add, um, you know, a, another like class component with people coming from the outside, um, with 
money, whether they have it or they're perceived to be having it, it can that creates another type of tension. And yeah. I think it's we just need to actually acknowledge that that is something that's happening. So can I just just to kind of move on to uh, two things that I think are quite important is have we seen this kind of thing before with this particular event? Um, can, are there any other examples? Um, not. I don't know of anyone else having like a year long event to like call you know call people home but in regards to like connecting with diasporas and you know repatriation and things like that yes there's you know there's birthright israel um that is for i don't know i think jewish young people and i think mainly north america um and they are it's done through i think a private organization and they sponsor trips for uh, young jewish people i think to... it's like you get two weeks before you turn 18 or something oh okay yeah and so they're for... often like summer programs uh, i've been to israel twice and okay. i saw a lot of the american groups of, of the young of the young kids come through but also a lot of american families that would go uh so i think there's more than one connection there of how okay. you can how you can go traveling there um, okay okay that was the first one that came to mind for me as well yeah and then there's, I know the Chinese government has, they have programs as well for uh, children in the children of Chinese immigrants, or at least people who are at least part Chinese. And I think for theirs, though, you have to speak like um, Mandarin or Cantonese or some language that's uh, spoken in China to be able to go on the trip. And that one is um, funded by the Chinese government. You just have to pay for your airfare. Um, but after that, everything else is, is on them. There's also Birthright Africa, which is kind of, I think, in the, it's new-ish. I think it's been around for a few years. And it's kind of in the like the same vein of like Birthright Israel, mm -hmm. in that you take people, young people from the African diaspora and sponsor them to uh, go to, I think Ghana was the first place that, that they went to, but to you sponsor them so they can go to somewhere in the, um, on the African continent so they can connect with their- you know, I've never heard of this. Oh yeah, it's, yeah, it's, I forgot when was it, I think 20, So you're telling 15? me all this time when I was younger, I didn't have to pay. Oh no 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 no! This was this was this is really I think just like in the last five seven okay. years or so. It's 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 yeah. It hasn't is been it, around for that long. Is it mostly American as well? Because I think the birthright Israel is, as far as I know, mostly a connection between America and Israel. They've sort of set up a mutual travel agreement there. Yeah. This yeah. This program is. It was started by an American, so I think it focuses right. mainly on America. Uh, I'm trying to think. What else? The, um, we'll add links. We'll we'll provide yeah. some links in the in the description so we can make sure there's some accurate information. Yeah. yeah. So, so I mean, what we're kind of acknowledging is is the private um, the privatization of reconnecting for the diaspora going back to or going to their country of origin or their parents' country of origin to learn or reintegrate from a non sensationalized perspective. Figure, hey, what does it really look like? What mm -hmm. you're dealing with. What are you technically entitled to? Where do your principles and customs come from? How is it practiced there today? You mentioned that there were some critical viewpoints that you that maybe weren't necessarily highlighted. What, what were some of them? I, mean, I think, like I said earlier, the the class piece was not really like there were a few people I saw discussing it, but that wasn't highlighted a lot. And just like like what you said as well, the impact that um 
the year of return, or I think it's especially the December period had on the Ghanaians that are already living in Ghana, just trying to, you know, the get part. around and yeah, just, yeah, just trying to, to, to live their life and how that can, um, yeah, it can create, cause there's already some tensions that exist between like Ghana and like the immediate Ghanaian diaspora. And I think the year of return is kind of like, yeah. it made things bubble up. Um, mm-hmm. I saw, you know, like again, this social media ethnography that I was doing, I saw a lot of very interesting things that, where people were, um, like you could, where the tensions that exist were really highlighted. I remember there was one girl, I think she was in the UK, and she tweeted, oh, like, local girls must hate when we come to Ghana, like, kind of insinuating, like, oh, us diaspora babes are, like, <laughs> are really, <laughs> are really, you know, That's are really it. popping and the rest of y'all aren't, you know? Like, <laughs> and, That's part of the problem. <laughs> yeah, I should have, sorry, I shouldn't be laughing because it's not funny, but, like, how can you come and tweet? Like, you really no. got on Twitter and, like, tweeted that. But that's, but that's, like, the perception of... That is true. I mean, that, that I is think it's a, well, it's a, I think it's it's a, not an uncommon diasporic problem is that the people from the diaspora go back to the home country and in a little bit of a way look down on the people there because priorities you know, are different. Well, yeah, maybe, you know, you come back and maybe they seem a little bit rural compared to your, you know, urbanistic life wherever you live or perhaps, you know, the Western values have gone to your head and you don't respect the other ones as much or whatever the reasons are but i think it's a common problem i think if you like frame the year of return in the context of this like wider like reconnecting that is happening between african continent and african diaspora especially in like like socioculturally like music and fashion and things like that mm-hmm. i feel like it's because in my mind, I feel like we're still kind of like at the beginning of this phase. You could right. say it started with, if you want to say it started with like Black Panther, and then which is what twenty, what that's twenty eighteen, whenever that came out, I think it was twenty eighteen. Something around there. Yeah, yeah, and then, then the next year we had um, the year of return, and you know, Ghana is Wakanda, and like you know everyone come home, mm-hmm. and to now. We have, you know, Black is King. And so I think there will, you know, it, this, like what we're seeing will continue, especially, in my opinion, especially because um, like the rise of the internet and children of immigrants you know, being able to connect with each other as they've you know gotten older and are more established in their careers and things of that nature. So I feel like the, the year of return will be seen as um, like something that was, done in the beginning of this, I guess, new new wave, because this isn't the first time that these, like, you know, sociocultural, you know, connections have, have um, happened between the, mm-hmm. between Africa and the African diaspora, but I feel like it'll stick this time, just because, um, like I said, internet, children of immigrants and all that, um, but I think the year, re- the year of return will be, will be seen as um, a pivotal event that really, you know, tried to bring this, you know, global black solidarity and unity and they focused it on a place that has been you know doing this for you know for 63 years now at a place that a lot of people know and respect as a you know as a pan-african place and as you know 
the government having a pan-African ideology. So I think it'll, yeah, it'll be viewed as something that's, um, that was important in this, in this wave.